Yeah, yeah. Doesn't that look like fun? Now, this is the wrong time to show videos of freshly grilled hamburgers and hot dogs. I'm lo- I've lost all of you right now because you're thinking lunch. You're thinking lunch. Well, well, I promise we'll get out of here just in time for you to grab some lunch as well. It's going to be great. Hey, maybe you were here last week. We're in this series on real relationships. And last week, we talked about how real relationships forgive freely. It was kind of a special week. And what God challenged us to do is he challenged us to lay down the things in our lives that distract us from him, lay down those pains and those hurts. And I gave you guys an opportunity to kind of write some of those down. And I even had some of you join us online. You sent me emails. I included all of that. So maybe if you dropped off a card, I thought you might want to see your card go up and smoke. And so we took some videos. So roll that on the screen. And as you see these burn, you realize, well, one, Glenn is a pyromaniac and he helped the fire a little bit. That's true. I confess to that. But just as you see this, I want you to, I want you to know and feel that these things, these things are, God's taken them away. You've given these pains to him and he is setting you free and making you whole. And that's a good, good thing. That's a visual picture of what God is doing in your heart. That's an amazing, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today's a little follow-up to that message, really. Um, and today, the title for today's message is Real Relationships Fight for Each Other. They do. They fight for each other. And did you know that, that there's hashtags that are really popular these days? And I, I ran across this specific hashtag. It's called self-love. And there have been 136 million posts under the hashtag self-love. And it's lots of good things. So don't, don't I'm not dissing on that or anything. It's all about accomplishments and overcoming obstacles and weight loss and so many, so many good things. But the problem sometimes is that we take this whole concept of self-love and we apply it to our relationships. And so that self-love turns to selfish and that's what creates division. That's what creates conflict. That's what creates the fights that so many of us deal with. And remember, real relationships fight for each other not with each other. We want to link arms with each other. We want to have each other's back. I've, I've got your six. You've got my six. That's, that's our heart. That's our passion. That's what God is calling us to do. If you would turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 6, we're going to begin reading in verse, at verse 10. One of the things we do here at Union Chapel is we stand in honor of reading God's word. So if you're able, uh, please join me on your feet. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Of course, it's on the screen. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, not against people, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. And then I want to put the words of Jesus on the screen. John 10, 10. The thief, the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Have abundant, meaningful life. Thank you. You may be seated. I love how this passage starts out. 
It starts out with some good news. Anybody use some good news? I mean, this is a good news that you can be strong in the Lord. And guess what? It's not just your power. You have his mighty power at work in you. That's a lot of power. That's the power that said light and there was light. That's the power that said, let there be dry land and there was dry land. That's the all-powerful God that we serve. He is all-knowing. He is always present, and it even gets better. He sent his son, Jesus, and he said, I've come so that you can have a full life, an abundant life, an amazing life, the best life possible. Man, that is good news. But also with good news comes bad news. The bad news is that the devil wants to ruin your life. He wants to tear apart your relationships, and he is coming after you you. He is. He is. I don't say that to make you afraid. I say that to make you aware and for you to get ready. Well, our first point on the screen is this, is that one, your relationships are under attack. Now, don't head for the doors right now. I promise we've got good news coming, but your relationships are under attack. And remember this passage from Ephesians 6, it's one of the, it may be the most popular and most widely used passage from the Bible on spiritual warfare. But I want to give you context. This is the capstone. This is the application to a whole section of this letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. And it starts back to when Paul penned these words. He said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he says, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Now, husbands, don't grin too big because then he said, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and laid his life down for her. And then he goes on to say, children, honor and obey your parents for this is good and right in the Lord. And then he says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the admonition of the Lord. Teach them to love God. And then he says, slaves, work for your masters as you are working for God. Please them like you would try to please me. And then he says, masters, do the same thing for your slaves. Love them and honor them. And then he goes into this whole passage on spiritual warfare. And the point of that is that the relationships that you are in are under attack. Spiritual warfare doesn't have to do with you. It has to do with all of your relationships. Why is that? Because God loves you and he loves the relationships in your life. And whatever God loves, the devil hates. God has blessed you with these relationships. Whatever God blesses, the devil tries to curse. So if you find yourself struggling in a relationship, you're frustrated, resentful, angry, losing trust, you can thank the devil because he had a part in it. I want to put John 8, on the screen. And it says that he, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. And the father of lies, the devil, he is after you and he's studying you. He's looking for where you're weak. He's looking for weak spots in your relationships, and he wants to manipulate those to bring division, to bring separation, to make you think wrong thoughts about each other. That's what he is doing. And remember, we're fighting against principalities. We're fighting against forces of darkness and demons from hell. We're not fighting against people. In other words, put this on the screen. Your enemy isn't your spouse. Amen. Your enemy's not your spouse. Your enemy's not your parents, your siblings, or your children, and your enemy's not even your boss. So stop fighting with your spouse and start fighting for your spouse. Stop fighting with your parents and start fighting for your parents. That's okay to clap to that. That's all right. That's all right. Yes, 
Yes, yes. Listen to 1 Peter 5, 8. Just listen to these words. Peter's encouraging us. He says, be alert. Have a sober mind that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, what if I just changed the words of the text just a little bit and I said that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for a marriage to devour? He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for a relationship to devour because that is what he is doing. Here's something about the devil that we don't always think about. He never announces his intentions to attack. He's not a trash talker. He's like, I'm coming. I'm coming for you. You better look out because I'm bringing all my power against you. No, he doesn't. He's real quiet. He's real sly. In fact, you hardly even notice him. And when you don't notice him, that's when he works the best. It's very true. It's very true. So big and bad isn't his style. Small and subtle is his favorite way. That's why we have to be alert. That's why we have to be really sober in the way that we think and the way we process things, the way we look at our circumstances because he's sneaky. Which leads us to our second thought today. Check it out on the screen. That the devil usually attacks with distractions and seductions. Let's talk about distractions for a minute. And the Bible is full of people who got distracted. In fact, the very first people on planet Earth, Adam and Eve, what did the serpent do? The serpent came up to Eve and distracted her and said, look at the fruit on that tree. Won't that be good? She said, well, I'll die. You won't die. You'll be just like God. And she got distracted by the fruit. Think about King Solomon. Before Solomon became king, he answered this prayer from God. He said, God, give me wisdom. And God said, I'm going to give you wisdom. In fact, you're going to be wiser than any person in all of history. And that man, he had more fame. He had worldwide fame. He was the richest person to ever walk the earth. No one was in more demand than Solomon was. And what did Solomon do? He let the love of things and the love of life and the love of people distract him from God. And the wisest man to ever walk the face of the earth died apart from God. That's tragic. And what about Judas? Judas was one of the 12 disciples. He was with Jesus when he did those miracles. When they, when they passed out the food at the feeding of the 5,000, he was there. The power of God did miracles through Judas himself. And what did he get distracted by? He got distracted by a sack of money. And he turned over Jesus to the soldiers. Satan attacks with distractions. In fact, there's this, this little kind of random verse in the Song of Solomon. And, and the Song of Solomon, it's actually this big book about love. In fact, if you go online and try to read the book Song of Solomon, there's some graphic stuff in there. In fact, you might click, okay, I'm over 18 so I can read this book of the Bible. I mean, there's some serious stuff in the Song of Solomon. But a lot of it, it's this beautiful language. It's beautiful language back and forth about, about romance and about love. And there's, just so you know, this is, has nothing to do with the sermon, but there's some pickup lines in the Song of Solomon that you want to avoid. And no joke, quote, uh, your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon. You're not getting a second date, I'm sorry. That ain't happening. It's not happening. No quote. This is a quote. Your belly is like a heap of wheat. Dude, you're sleeping on the couch. Your navel is like a big bowl of wine. That's not going to work either. Or your hair is like a flock of goats. You know, you're so beautiful. I know. I, I can't help it. I can't help myself. Or how about this? Your teeth is like freshly shorn sheep. 
doesn't that just sound nasty, like gritty? It's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Those are pickup lines of where there's so much good stuff in the Song of Solomon in chapter 2. Solomon and his bride, they are exchanging wonderful compliments to each other. Going back and forth, it's just so romantic and, and so meaningful. But then Solomon gets real serious for just one minute. I want to put Song of Solomon 2, verses 15 on the screen. And he says this, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. And I know what you're thinking, what's up with the foxes, Glenn? Come on, man. (laughs) And so we know what foxes are. In fact, I saw one in my neighborhood. Oh, good. There's a cute fox. How cool is that? And they're just little things. They seem so harmless. But here's what foxes would do. They would run into the vineyards when they are in bloom and they would chew the blooms off of the grapevines. And when the blooms get pulled off and they don't fall off, they don't produce any fruit and it ruins the harvest. And the point here is that there's little foxes in our lives that steal the fruit that God wants to bring in your marriage and your relationships and in your family when we let these little distractions get the best of us. And one of those common distractions that we suffer with is comparison. You know how it goes. Well, my husband, he's not that romantic. We really don't go out that much. And, you know, the connection that we had before seems like it's harder and harder to get. But, man, that guy at work, he's charming and he smiles and he compliments me. So easy to talk to. Or maybe it's something just way less important than that. Maybe it's random little nitpicky things that you're too embarrassed to even mention. You know what I'm talking about. Things like she drives too slow. He is so messy. Or she puts the toilet paper roll on backwards and the toilet paper comes off the front as it should be. Thank you very much. Or, or, or maybe, maybe he squeezes the toothpaste from the middle. Squeeze the toothpaste from the back. From the back, not the middle. Not the middle. <laughs> or maybe she's always on her phone. Or maybe he's always on his phone. You get it. Maybe it's fights over money. You've got no plan, no vision, no direction, and you're always fighting. Maybe one of you is a little bit more controlling and a little bit nitpicky, and the other is more passive and barely even engaging. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is this. Look, the devil knows where you're vulnerable. He knows what your triggers are, and his finger's on the trigger. (laughs) And he's trying to trigger you to react negatively to the most important relationships in your life because that's what he does. He is a liar. He's the father of lies, and he'll whisper lies in your ears. This isn't God's will. You're not compatible with each other. And he whispers those lies. Why? Because he hates what God loves, and God loves you. And he curses what God blesses, and God has blessed you with the relationships that you have in your life. Let's talk about the little fox of seduction. Could you put Ephesians 5, 3 on the screen for me? It says this, but among you, there must not be even a hint, not a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. And then later on, he says, but rather... Be thankful. I love this. Not a hint. Somebody say, not a hint. Not a hint. hint. You're with me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And so it's hard to know what's immoral in our culture these days because it seems like the target for immorality keeps moving and getting broader and broader and broader. And so just for fun, just to tweak you a little bit, I thought we'd play a little game. And I'm going to give you a scenario, and you can tell me whether or not there's a hint of immorality in it. Here's the first one. Lie to your spouse, connect with some random person online, and hook up in a public restroom. Would that be a hint? 
Yes, that would thank you. Thank you that there would be a hint of immorality there. Or maybe you just watch some porn on your phone just a little, just once or twice a week. Just, you know, would there be a hint there? Probably, probably. What about borderline inappropriate conversations with other people that you shouldn't be having? Maybe so. Or maybe just watching something suggestive on your TV or your phone, like even PG-13 stuff, maybe so. And so my challenge to you is to play it forward. See this on the screen, not pay it forward, but play it forward and ask yourself, where is this distraction? Where is this seduction taking me? And is the end result something that I want? Maybe this little exercise will help you. When I'm on my screen, I try to imagine what I wanted up there right behind me when I'm standing right here. Or would the things that I watch on my phone, would I be able to put my arm around my wife and watch them with her? Would I be proud to show my screen to my kids? Would I be proud to show my screen to all of you? And so all of a sudden, we have a little bit of clarity in those things that seem like they're, quote, no big deal, right? Here's what we're all tempted to do. Single, married, young and old, we're all tempted to see how close we can get to the line without crossing it. Here's the problem. The devil keeps moving that line. (laughs) And the longer we stay close to that line, the more vulnerable we are to the devil's attacks to wreck our lives. That's why Solomon wrote in Proverbs Proverbs 4, verses 14 through 15, he says, do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. I love it. Don't, don't even put a big toe on that path. Go the other way. In other words, you want to distance yourselves from the things that distract you from God, the things that will compromise your most important relationships. And remember that uncomfortable moment when I brought up, you know, hooking up with someone in the public restroom? You get it. You get it. And so you can reverse engineer that and you can see how that happens because what happens is that we walk up to a line. We walk up to a line that might just be some suggestive imagery on your phone. Maybe it, it might just be a hashtag that then you start looking at hashtags that you shouldn't look at and then, and then that kind of progresses to pornography and then pornography progresses to worse pornography and then you find yourself you know, typing away on a screen and chatting with someone and then you find yourself meeting up with someone. You find yourself in a place that you would never plan to be by compromising one step at a time. I don't know anyone who ever said, I want to have an uncontrollable addiction to pornography. I want it to be all I think about. I want to choose lust so much that I can't have any kind of intimacy. But it happens all the time, doesn't it? And I don't apologize for making you feel uncomfortable. I don't apologize for talking about pornography because it's a huge deal. Did you know that a survey of divorce lawyers they cite that 60% of divorces, pornography is one of the primary contributing factors to it. In 2018, Psychology Today released these statistics, and I had a hard time believing them, to be honest. It said 73% of women and 93% of men had accessed porn in the last six months. 93%. And that 26% of women and 80% of men had accessed pornography in the last week. And so look, look at this from, that, from the context of God. Sex is a wonderful gift from God. I mean, remember, God made sex. Sex is not bad. You're looking at me like, Glenn, what do you... <laughs> look, sex is glorious. 
It's awesome. In fact, God said, this is really good. I mean, we should dance up and sing glory, hallelujah, and spin around when we talk about the sex that God has given us. It's a wonderful, wonderful blessing. And God wants you to have the best sex life that you can possibly have. That's why he gives parameters to it before we're married, to sweeten the deal, to make it even better. So that's why we trust him with it. Here's what we know. Here's what we know. The research is undeniable. The more pornography use there is, the less satisfaction people have with sex every single time. This is a perfect example of how the devil wants to steal and kill and destroy this wonderful gift that God has given us. And here, let's be honest. The reason that most people turn to pornography is because of some sexual need that they have. And the devil says, I'm going to fulfill that need for you. You trust me with this. I've got your back. You just look at this and then you find yourself. And what does he do? He ruins it. He ruins it. He steals the joy and the pleasure in that. So we want to create as much distance as possible between us and our distractions. Why in the world would I fight a temptation in the future that I have the power to eliminate today? Remember, the devil is coming after you, and he's not going to be obvious. His next step isn't going to be curse God. His next step isn't going to be devastate your family embarrass your kids. The devil's way too smart for that. Remember, he just wants your toe, just wants you to step your toe out there. Just put your foot on that path. He just wants you to take one little step at a time. Why would I leave a door open that I have the power to lock today? Don't miss this moment. I'm talking to somebody. God's talking to somebody online. God's talking to some of you here in the room. And you know right now, deep in your heart, today's the day. Today's the day that app's coming off your phone. It might be a perfectly fine app, but it's not fine for you. And you know it's coming off your phone. Today's the day that you're going to put a filter on your internet. Today's the day that you're going to stop having completely innocent conversations with that other person. You're saying, no, no, no. I want what God wants for me. I want the best for my relationships. Don't leave that door open. And so we have an alternative. This this whole verse in Ephesians 5.3 says we don't want a hint of immorality. And then it ends with this little thought, but rather be thankful. And I love that. I love that phrase, but rather be thankful because thank you is a powerful thing. And I want to challenge you. Use thank you when you're not feeling it. Maybe you're frustrated with your kids or you're frustrated with your parents. Just pray this prayer. Thank you, God, for my parents. Thank you, God, for my kids. Thank you, God, for my spouse. And here's what happens. That thank you starts to break a little bit of that selfishness inside of you. It starts to break the power that the devil has on you to try to pull you away from one another. And then take that one step further. Say thank you to the people in your life, even if you're not feeling it. That's not being ungenuine. That's being real. Because real relationships fight for each other. Real relationships embrace one another when things are hard. That's what real relationships do. And that thank you does an awesome thing. You see, selfishness is what leads you down a path tomorrow you would never choose for yourself today. 
Which leads us to our third thought today. It's this. Check it out on the screen. Number three, take charge of your heart. You do. You have to take ownership of your heart and the thoughts that happen in your mind. See, the battle for your relationships, it happens up here. It happens in your mind, and that is where the devil attacks you. That's not what we focus on, is it? If we get confronted about something and say, well, I haven't done anything wrong. But sometimes people can tell when your heart is being pulled away, I haven't done anything wrong. We focus on our actions, but the problem is that our thoughts actually determine our actions. And the devil, he wants you to focus on what you do more than what you think because he knows if I can keep Glenn thinking about this, if I can keep you thinking about this, eventually you're going to do it because eventually your self-control will give out. And so what you need to do is you need to take charge of your thoughts. I love Proverbs 4, 23. This is from the New Living Translation. You've got to check this out on the screen. It says, guard your heart above all else. More important than anything, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. The NIV says that your heart, everything you do flows from your heart, flows out of your heart. It's the starting place for all the good and even all the bad in your life. Have you ever heard someone say this about someone else's failure? And they might say, oh, that was so out of character for him, or that was so out of character for her. And actually, that's not a true statement. It might be out of character for how they act or how they behave, but it's not out of character for how they think because what we think ends up being what we do. And the devil is tricky. Again, he's not coming in with guns blazing, taunting you. He likes to masquerade around in your mind as you. When the devil talks to me, he talks to me in first person. And there's these thoughts that we all have in our mind. And it's hard to tell what thought belongs to who. Here's what I mean. Most of our thoughts are our own. But we also have some thoughts that come from God. And we also have some thoughts that come from the devil. Now, wouldn't it be great if all those thoughts had different accents? Because everybody sounds like me. All the voices in my head sound like me. I know someone's coming up with a straitjacket somewhere. I don't know. But, but you get what I'm talking about. You get what I'm talking about. And so for me, the only way I can tell the difference between those three sources for my thoughts is by looking at where the thought is leading me. To understand the source of a thought, you have to look at the direction it will take you. For example, here's a valid feeling. You're in a relationship and you feel disconnected. That's a valid feeling to have. That's not a bad feeling to have. It's not a good feeling, but it's not evil in and of itself. But you know, the next thought, the next thought will let you know the direction. If the that thought is, mm, you're never going to be happy. This is the wrong person. They're never going to believe in you. You see that, obviously, that's when the light goes on in your mind. You realize that's the source of that thought. Maybe you have that same feeling, that same feeling of disconnection. Like, well, you know, we need to, we need to work through this. We've got to kind of hash this out together. Now, obviously, that's from God. Because God wants to bring healing and hope and life into your relationships and not discord and distrust. It's even true in the relationship between parents and children. And when parents are frustrated, they feel the same thing that children do when they're frustrated. And this is true of all ages. And it's disrespect. Parents don't like having their requests or their advice, you know, go untaken. And children don't like to be 
spoken over, lorded over, like they don't trust, like they're not trusted. And so where are you going to take those? It's like, well, I've had it with them. No more. I'm not talking with them anymore. Well, what's the source of that? Or like, hey, we need to tell each other we love each other. We need to work through this. You get it. You get it. Here's a hint. If there's trust and love, it has to do with Jesus. It has to do with God. When you find that, that's a win. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 on the screen. It says these words. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we, you and me, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. I love this whole concept of catching thoughts. In fact, uh, one of the Cognitive behavioral therapy that psychologists many use sometimes, one of the things they focus upon is thought catching. And that's, they have to make sure that the thoughts that we accept or, or believe that they're logical, that they're practical. And why is this such a big part of cognitive therapy? It's because we can easily make incorrect assumptions based on conclusions that we make from our feelings. So we've got to catch thoughts. Maybe a, a more direct way of putting it is this. See this on the screen. You've got to tear down the lies that try to tear your relationship apart. And in this verse in 1 Corinthians, it says demolish, destroy, pull it down, take it down, knock it down, raise it to the ground. Every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Pretension is prideful imagination. Pretension is arrogant, false thinking. And so stop focusing on the people and start focusing on the source Tear down those thoughts before they tear down your relationships. Take every thought captive to Jesus. Back in Ephesians 6, there's one of the things that the devil sends your way. And they they call it like fiery darts from the devil. Like fiery darts. So the shield of faith extinguishes those fiery darts. I think the fiery darts that the enemy sends us are tied to our feelings. And so I like to think of it like flaming mosquitoes. You know, it's summertime, we're, you know, got the bonfire going, hanging out outside, and the mosquitoes come out, and they are relentless. You try to wave them away, swat them away, they just keep coming back. And then you're like, how in the world did a mosquito get up there? Oh, my goodness. You know what I'm talking about? And the mosquitoes are relentless. And I want you to think about those fiery darts from the enemy and those feelings and those emotions. And so how do we, how do we cover those up? How do we get rid of them? Well, we have the answer. We express love in meaningful ways. Let's look at 1 Peter 4.8. It says, above all, more important than anything else, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Here's the good news about love. It'll cover your own sins, the sins that you commit. It'll also cover the sins of other people against you and set you free from that. And so friends, love is not a feeling. Good feelings come with love. Good, deep, good feelings come with good love, but love is a choice. Love is a commitment. And one of my favorite stories about love comes from the late Billy Graham and his wife, Ruth. Years and years ago, uh, 
Billy Graham, he was gone for months, and he was gone on a long trip preaching the gospel all over the world. He was one of the most effective evangelists of our time, just amazing, amazing man. And everything was going crazy at home. And so Ruth Graham is running the family ranch, no joke, and wild and crazy teenagers. You just take that and run with it. That's exactly what's going on. And a reporter was interviewing her, said, Mrs. Graham, have you ever thought about divorce? And Ruth, she shot back. She didn't hesitate one second. She said, never have I ever thought about divorce. And then she leaned forward and said, but I have considered murder a few times. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I tell that story at almost every single wedding that I do because this is it. This is that. I'm choosing to love you. Now, in my professional opinion, murder is very bad for your relationship. That's not a good thing for your relationship. And so let's choose love. Let's choose love. Let's choose love. Here's a statement that would work that's similar to that. I'm so mad I could spit fire right now, but I love you. You feel the power in that even when the words come out of my mouth. That's a good, good thing. It's a powerful thing. Or maybe as a parent, I don't think they're getting me. I don't think they understand what I'm saying. But, and you walk up to you and say, look, I love you. We're going to work through this. There's power in that. There's power. Big, big, big power in that. And so I want to put this statement on the screen. I want to challenge you to fight back. Don't just fight back on your own. Fight back with the power of God because you have the power of his word, the power of prayer, and the power of the love of God on your side. And that's an awesome power. That's an awesome power. That's the power that you have access to. And so fight the enemy together. Link up arm in arm with your kids. Link up arm in arm with your parents. Link up arm in arm with the people that are important to you and take on the enemy together and watch God take him down and take him out of your life. Glory to God. Glory to God. And here's how you do that. You pray together. You pray over your wife. You pray over your kids. You pray over your husband. You pray over your closest relationships. You know the old statement, couples that pray together stay together. It's actually true. There's this bonding that happens when we pray. And not only that, we bring the power of God and speak the blessing of God on the people that you love from God's word. Maybe it's a challenging time and you can look at each other and say, we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And together, our passage from today, we are strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You get it. You get it. I know I've talked about a lot of things. And one of the things I've kind of harped on is, is sex and pornography. And I don't apologize for that because it's such a profound problem. But I want to offer you an opportunity and a solution. Um, there's a resource out there. And it's been around for a long time. It's called Celebrate Recovery. You can go to CelebrateRecovery.com. There are groups in Muncie. There are groups all over the U.S., And here's their theme. It's kind of a 12-step program, and they're all about hurts, habits, and hang-ups. So whether your hang-up is food, or whether your hang-up is sex, or whether it's drugs or alcohol or whatever it may be, you are welcome there. Here's the thing. You know you've been trying to kick this for a while, and so far you haven't been successful. So my challenge to you is to do something different. Try something just a little bit different to find freedom and hope because it is worth it. Your relationships are worth it. It will make so much difference. All right, well, as 
the worship team comes up, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Perhaps we could just think and listen to God and talk a little bit together. Some of you, you don't need to pray. You know exactly what you need to cut out of your life right now. You know exactly the things you need to get rid of or relationships that you need, you need to cut out. And if that's you, I just want you to, just between you and God, you just let him know that we're doing it. We're getting rid of it. We're saying no to that. Do you have that, you have that picture in your mind? And maybe, uh, maybe we could do something a little bit different. If you came here with a family member, you came here with your spouse, maybe you could just grab their hand. I know it might feel a little uncomfortable. Just grab their hand. And out loud, just quietly, just whisper, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Say it back. Thank you for loving me. And maybe you want to commit to have an honest conversation about where you're vulnerable to the lies of the devil. And if that's you, could you just squeeze their hand? You don't have to, but if that's you, that's just, let's just act on what we feel like God's calling us to just squeeze their hand. And I want to confess that I've been preaching to myself. My wife and I, we pray a lot for our kids, but we haven't really prayed out loud together. My wife, she needs to hear my prayers. My kids, they need to hear my prayers more. And I don't always know what to pray. And in the last couple of weeks, I've, I've stolen the words of this song to pray over my family and to pray over my wife and also over you. And the song is called, I Plead the Blood by Cody Carnes. And maybe as I read some of the lyrics to this song, as I pray them over you, I want to challenge you to pray this over the people in your life. And here it goes. Here and now, I draw a boundary against every weapon that's formed. The thief and his plans will pass over. When he sees the red on the door, I plead the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus. The enemy can't take my family because this home belongs to the Lord. So I'm not afraid to remind him that he has no claim in this war because our future, it's glory to glory and our freedom has been purchased in full. And so I plead the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over you right now. The blood of Jesus is his sacrifice. It's him dying on the cross. It's him paying for your sin and rising from the dead and you can come to him right now. Maybe you've realized that you're the one who's believed the devil's lies and the person you've been fighting is God and you're ready to give your life to him. Maybe you're sitting on your couch by yourself. You are not alone. Maybe you came in here without anybody else. We are all with you. Even if it's your first time here, this is your church family. This is your home. And we want to help you take a step in your relationship with Jesus. So here's what we're all going to do online and in the room. We're all going to pray out loud right now. So here we go. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for fighting you. I need you. I need your peace. I need your help. But most of all, I need your salvation. So I believe in you with all of my heart. I give all myself to you. Forgive me. Make me whole. I'm coming to you right now. Thank you for making me new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate the people who've given their lives to Christ today. Glory to God. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good.
Well, friends, we serve a God who's worthy to be praised. Let's stand to our feet and worship him together.